Hey, good morning again. Um, Let's open our Bibles, John chapter 3. Gospel of John chapter 3. And uh, I want to take a moment out to pray for Larry and Carlos too. They're on their way, or they might already be there. Uh, on a missions trip down to, to uh, we don't know what city yet, but they're going to be down there in the Carolinas ministering and helping and, and with a, a bunch of other people. So we want to pray for them. We also want to pray for Joe Nahad, who's had some serious uh, medical issues here in the last uh, week or so. We want to pray for him too. So why don't we take a minute and pray for, for those two needs. Father, we thank you for Larry and Carlos, uh, members of our family, Lord, who are now uh, out and uh, on a mission, on a mission for you and a mission for our church. Uh, we just pray you'd go with them, protect them, and use them, Lord, in a powerful way to, to help people, but also to spread the love of Jesus to those that are hurting uh, through this disaster, Lord. We pray for uh, Joe as well, that you would have your hand upon him, healing him and, and uh, restoring his health, Lord. And uh, we just pray for that family too, Lord. Just thank you for your word. Open your word to us today, this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, <clears throat> you know, last week we did uh, John 3.16, and uh, that's, that was incredible. That's an incredible. Did any of you like that? Yeah, yeah you know, it was just like, it's a verse you know so well, and sometimes it's like that with things you know so well that you just kind of skate over them. But it's like, it's so powerful, you know, that God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son, his most priceless gift, that whosoever, whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's just so powerful. And Geraldine, welcome back. Yeah, I just noticed. I just saw her, yeah. She had some knee stuff happen. So, this eternal life that we're talking about, this new life that, that is given to us by God. And, and what do we have to do? We have to trust Him. We have to believe in Him. And we won't perish, but we'll have eternal life. Now today, <clears throat> I've got an interesting subject for you. Say, <clears throat> so what does that have to do with anything? Well, you'll see. There's a video. I want to play a short video here. Some of you that are squeamish, just close your eyes and don't watch, okay? I, I had trouble watching some of these videos just because it's quicksand. But have a look. Tiny desert springs bubble to the surface. But don't be fooled. This could be lethal quicksand, which has been known to swallow vehicles and people whole. Fall into this and you'd be in big trouble. I'm going to show you how to get out of it alive. And what's nasty about this stuff is the more you fight it, the more it like pulls you in. And look, you suddenly realize it's not just this crust of sand that you thought, but actually it's all of that clay and water. And each time you pull it, try and pull your leg up, the suction just pulls it back in. That's why these things are so dangerous. And the reason these can actually kill people is not because they swallow you, it's because they just don't let you out of it. And the killer is that, the sun. 
Okay, I want to be trying to get out of this place now. Quicksand is twice as dense as your body, so in theory it should be impossible to drown. But if you panic, you just get sucked in further and you won't have a hope of getting out. <coughs> That's really tempting just to reach out and grab a hand. But actually, in many ways, that's the last thing you want to do. It's the danger is you then pull somebody else into the same situation you're in. Or you could dislocate your shoulder, but getting out of here is a battle. Only last year, two young teenagers were out looking for food on the bottom of a muddy lake, and both died in quicksand. So the way to get out of this is to try and pull your legs up towards the surface. Really, the number one rule is keep calm. Don't fight it. You know, the more you fight the thing, the more it's going to pull you in. So just try and control your breathing and try and maneuver your chest onto the surface. Uh, try and get a leg out. Ugh. And then just monkey crawl your way out. Ooh. Feels like I've got lead boots on. First thing you've got to do is get these muddy clothes off. <laughs> oh man. You know that's kind of graphic, isn't it? Yes. It's kind of scary. But but the truth of the matter is, the point I want to bring out to you today is that you and I we're all in it. We're in it already. And we are sinking and we're going down and, we, and there's no way for us to get out. John Corson talked to, about this. He gave the illustration of, of a traveler who was trapped in quicksand and, and there were these different people that would come along and try to give him some kind of advice. You know, what they should do, all the different philosophies, all the different religions in this world. They would come along and say things like, you know, you, you need to stay away from those kinds of things. Like that's going to help you when you're in that situation. Or, you know, if you just work really, really hard, you'll get out. That's, you know, that's a, a, a religious uh, system of works. That if we, if we work really hard, we're going to be able to save ourselves. We'll get out. You know, some would say, you know, it's not so bad. You're a good person. Like, that's going to help you. You're a good person. I'm a good person. Even though I'm sinking, I'm trapped, and I can't get out, and there's no hope for me, no help for me. It's interesting. He talked about, about how you know, it wasn't the quicksand that was going to kill him. It was the, the elements, the sun beating down on him. You know? but, but this idea that you know, maybe, maybe in your next life you'll be okay. You'll come back, maybe you'll be a little worse this time, but you'll come back again and again and again. And, and as you kind of go through those stages, you get to the, the point of being an ascended master of some kind. You know what I'm talking about, right? These different religious philosophies, you know. You deserve it. That's what you get because you deserve that. That's kind of like sometimes what we feel. But the, the big difference is Jesus, he comes by and he reaches out his hands. And he grabs a hold. He, he asks us to grab a hold of him. He grabs a hold of us. And he pulls us out. He takes us out. And he's not going to get pulled in. It's impossible for him to get pulled in, like the guy was saying on that video. 
But he grabs a hold of us, he pulls us out, he, he rescues us, he saves us. He's the only one that can actually do that. Interesting, isn't it? That's what he came to do. That's what Jesus came to do, is to save us. Let's look at verses, uh, uh, what verse are we on? 17 and 18. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son or God's only begotten Son. Notice that this is the verses we're, we're looking at today and then the, the next couple of verses as well kind of bring it all together. But notice what he says here, is that, says here that God didn't send his Son to, into the world to condemn the world, but to do what? To save the world. So, so you know, there is this kind of an idea, this, this perception that we have of God, right? That he's like, he's like this big, mean guy with a giant sledgehammer, right? And basically what he wants to do is just slam everybody. But that's not, that's not what Jesus is telling us here, right? Is it? He didn't, he didn't come, he didn't send his son to condemn us, to tell us how bad we are, to point a finger, a finger at us and to tell us things like, well, you, you deserve it, you're getting just what you deserve. But he came to reach out both of his hands and to pull us out. That's what he came to do. That's a very different picture, isn't it? That's what Jesus came to do, to rescue us, to save us. The truth that comes out here in these verses and in many other places in the Bible, I've got some verses I'll show you on the screen. The truth is this, is that we are already condemned. We are already infected. We are already drowning. We are already stuck. And we cannot get out. There's no way to work your way out. It's impossible. But we're already in that state. Why do you say that? And that's a, this is a big doctrinal question, you know, a doctrinal issue. Uh, uh, can anybody tell me what the theologians call it? No theologians here today? <laughs> they call it the doctrine of original sin, right? Of the fact that we're all infected. We're all, we're all sinners. That's what the, the Bible teaches. And, and, and God knew that. We... we Sin has infected the whole human race. It says in Romans chapter 5, it, it came, sin entered the world through one man and death through sin. And, and in that way or this way, death came to all men, infected the whole human race. This is where we are. This is who we are. The problem is we don't want to see that. We don't want to accept that. And, and again, it's that idea, well, it's really not so bad, even though I'm stuck in quicksand, I'm dying, and, and there's no hope for me to get out, but it's really not so bad, because I am a good person. I am, you know, I haven't done this, and I haven't done that. But until we understand that this is a, this is a universal fact, and the Bible teaches it over, over and over. Let me, let me show you just a few verses here. Number one, Romans 3.23 for all have what? Sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We've all sinned. How about uh, Psalm 130, verse 3 says, If you, O Lord, 
kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? Is there any one of us that could stand? Any one of you that could stand before God and say, you know, I, I really deserve to get in? Can you just let me in because my record is, just, is pretty good? You know, I didn't, I didn't miss a Sunday. You know, I, I gave a lot of stuff. How many of you could get in on your own record? How many of any of us could get in on our own record? Well, none of us could. How about the book of Ezra, one of the history books? O Lord God of Israel, you are righteous. This is a prayer. We are left this day as a remnant, and here we are before you in our guilt, though because of it not one of us can stand in your presence. That's a powerful statement, you know. The truth of the matter is, is that God is absolutely, infinitely holy, and we are not. And so for us to actually go and stand before God in heaven, in, the, in, this, in, in our state and who we are, we, we cannot stand in his presence because of the holiness of God. It's just the way it is. But, but again, does God just say, well, yeah, you deserve it. You, that's just who you are. No, he, he says, I, I, I reach down. I want, I, want to, I want to save you. I want to rescue you. I want you to, to be in my presence. Psalm 143, verse 2, no one living is righteous before you. First John, if we claim to be without sin, what? We deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That's again the thing. You know, the, these guys who preach and they, they, don't, they want to talk about everything positive, everything wonderful, and they, so they won't use words like sin. They won't use words like hell. They won't use words like the devil. That, 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 like you have to cut part of the Bible out because for us to be saved, we need to understand what those things are. What are we saved from? Why do we need to be saved? Because we are all lost. We are all trapped. We are all sinking. Every one of us. The wages of sin is what? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He came to bring us out. He came to rescue us. He came to save us. That's what he came to do. So that's the good news. You know, the, we can't just focus on, you know, you go to some churches, they're only going to focus on the bad news. You are sinners, and they're, you know, the, 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 the preacher, he's going to beat the sheep week after week. You are so bad. You know, I, I, think I, I think I believe that we already know that. I think I already know it. I don't need someone to hammer me with it. I need someone to help me. I think, I think we as humans, there's something in us that know, you know, there's something missing in me. There's something not right. There's something rotten in Denmark, as they say. And Denmark's right inside me. And what is it? It's just sin. It's the sin nature that we were born with. David talks about that in the Psalms. But if we just stop there, man, we're going to be pretty depressed we're going to be pretty bummed out. And, and, you know, the Christian who walks around with his face, you know, down all the time because he's realizing how much of a sinner he is, hasn't really discovered the fact that God came to set us free. That God came to forgive us. He came to, to give us the hope of eternal life. 
What kind of life, what kind of Christian life do people see in us? This is the good news. Look at this one. It's not there, it's there. Romans chapter 8, Therefore, there is now what? Say it with me. No condemnation. So Jesus said, you know, it says here in John 3, 17, He didn't send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but actually to remove the condemnation. This word condemn means to condemn or judge to, you know, a, a fate. So there's no condemnation, there's no hell, there's no perishing, there's no separation from God forever to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now looking at these verses here, verses 17 and 18, there seems to be a dividing line, right, between the two. Can you see it in verse 18? Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. So there is a dividing line. There's two different groups of people. What is the dividing line? Believing in Him, exactly. That's the dividing line. Those who believe and those who do not, who do not believe. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already. And this word believe, it's very simple. It means to put our trust in, to rely upon, to call upon with all of our heart. To believe in the name of God's one and only Son, His only begotten Son. Do you know what the name, of, the name Jesus means, by the way? It's, it's technically the same name as Joshua, right? Yeshua. And, and the, the Hebrew word technically means the Lord is salvation. So when they came and they said, you know, Matthew chapter 1, it says, She will give birth to a son. You are to give him the name, what? Jesus. The Lord is salvation. Why? Because he will save his people from their sins. It says here in 317, you know, that we should put our trust or believe in the name of God's one and only Son, believe in Jesus that He would save us. He's the only one who can save us, to believe and trust in Him. You say, well, it's just so simple. It's just way too simple. We have, we have this book. It's like chapters and chapters and 66 books, and it all boils down to what? To faith in Jesus. Yes. Yes, it does. How many verses do you think that the thief on the cross next to Jesus memorized before he went to his eternal destiny. How many times was he baptized? He said, today, this day you'll be with me in paradise. Today you'll be with me. Why? Because he put his faith, he put his trust, he, he, he put his heart into Jesus, the one who was on the cross next to him. Sounds so simple, right? I mean, it sounds good. To me, it sounds good. Isn't this a good thing? No condemnation. So why doesn't everybody believe? Why, why, why wouldn't everyone believe? Like, why? I mean, you and I just need to think back to before we believed. 
and what our lives were like. And, and, and we weren't walking around saying, you know, well, I don't really want to know about that. We were just so involved, so encompassed, so you know, set in what we were doing and what we you know, were a part of. But even in that, there is a sense of rebellion. There's a sense of rejecting. Let's look at John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. Let's read those verses. This is the verdict. Again, he's, he's continuing this, this uh, theme of condemnation or judgment. You could say this is the judgment. Light has come into the world, but men loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has done has been done through God. Why doesn't everyone believe? Again, there, we see that there are two groups, right? There are two distinct groups. One, those who, who come, who, who love darkness, those who hate the light and will not come into the light. And the second group, those who come into the light and they're changed by it, right? <coughs> Excuse me. So looking at this first group here, it says that light has come into the world. Now he's speaking about the light of Jesus, God's one and only Son. That He has come into the world. We saw that in chapter 1, that He is, you know, uh, the light of life. John chapter 8 says He is the light of the world. He, he came into the world. God sent Him into the world. We see those, those words, that language over and over. God did not send His Son into the world. He sent His Son into the world to save the world. So He sent His Son, this light, to come into the world, this very dark, dark world. Now he sent this light not to, again, not to condemn you and me, but to save us. So this light has come into the world, and, and Matthew Henry, that, that old commentator, uh, he, he's not actually old, he's actually, he's no longer with us, but it's old because it's like a hundred years ago. But he said this, and I like this, wretched man is in love with his sickness. We're in love with our own sickness. We're in love with being in a, a quicksand pit. We're, we're in love with being where we are. Now, you know, to my mind, you know, and I'm, I'm post-believing in Jesus. I've already trusted in Jesus, so I'm looking like, wow, you rescued me. How could I ever like being there, right? But, but... Before that, that's where we were. And I, I don't want you to think like it's us and them, because us was them, right? That was me. I was there, loving it. Loving the darkness. Hating the light. I didn't want to know anything about that. We went to church and, and you know, we, uh, we used the term ditched back in California. You use, uh, you, what's the term you use here? Bunkin, you know, we went there and, you know, mom thought she was taking us to Sunday school. We just snuck out the back door and brought the money we had for an offering, went to the store and bought candy and did whatever we wanted to do. We had, we had no interest in any of that stuff. 
And then it got, you know, just you grow up, you get involved in all this stuff, and you think that, that you know, it's cool, you think that it's all right, you think that it's going to fulfill you, but it's a lie. That's why, that's why 1 John said, you know, you know who, who thinks he has no sin, he's, he's deceived. There's a deceitfulness of sin that makes you think it's good. They call evil good and good evil. The Bible says. Going on, Matthew Henry said this, They hate the light because it robs them of the good opinions they had of themselves by showing them their sinfulness and misery. Christ is hated because sin is loved and cannot bear to be told. I don't want light showing me what, who I am. I don't want the light, you know, you know, shining a spotlight on what I'm doing. I like what I'm doing. But the truth of the matter is, is it isn't until we finally say, hey, what I'm doing and who I am and where I am is no good. I'm lost. Until we get to that place and we allow the light, we come into the light, we have no hope. The second one there is those who, who come into the light. And they live by the truth. That's what it says, right? Verse 21, whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what he has, what he has done has been done through God. The second one, again, is one who would live by the truth and come into the light. Actually, go into the light. I was wondering, well, what truth is he talking about there? Who lives by the truth? The truth is really this, that we are sinners and we're dying, we're lost, and we need, we need to be rescued. And our only hope is Jesus. But through that, and when we come to that place, and, and for those of us that are already believers, when we come to that place, it's just the beginning, though, isn't it? It's where life begins. It's where you and I, our lives just begin and He begins to change us. You've heard people say perhaps, you know, that, that He accepts us as we are. But He loves us too much to what? Leave to leave us that way, right? He doesn't say, well, yeah, just stay in. I'm going to save you, but I'm going to leave you in the quicksand. I'm going to leave you in the mud, leave you filthy like that. The first thing the guy said was, I got to get this mud off me, Right? <clears throat> so we come into the light and he begins to work in us he begins to change us he begins to, to mold us and shape us to be more like who he wants us to be that's not always an easy process though is it sometimes it you know he's got to get that file out he's got to get the saw he's got to start working on us Someone said this, though, they live differently, speaking about those who have come into the light. They live differently than their former lives of darkness. Their new lives, get this, their new lives are by faith in Jesus and His Word. And the Spirit, the Spirit of God, working in their lives gives them new power, goals, and interests. I like that. 
Because, because it says that, you know, we have been changed. We, you know, we had our former lives, and Peter talks about it, you know. We, we spent enough time in the past living like that. We spent enough time in the past in the darkness and in the things that we're, not, we're ashamed to even remember or admit. We spent enough time there. Now we're called to, to live differently. We're called, and, and He's giving us, he's, the, the Spirit of God Himself is working in our lives, giving us new power, new goals, new interests. If, if we are satisfied to live the same way we lived before we became believers, there's something wrong. We may not be truly born again. If we're satisfied to continue in darkness, and I'm not talking about, you know, we, we slip sometimes, we fall, we, we, we fall back into the darkness. I'm talking about when we just continue to live in the darkness of this world, then something isn't quite right. And we need to get before God and say, God, this isn't happening. This isn't working. I need your help. It's interesting to think about the fact that Jesus said that he was the light of the world, didn't he? He said that. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. But what did he also say in the Sermon on the Mount? He said, you, speaking to his disciples, what? Are the light of the world. He's the light of the world, but as we have Jesus living within us and, and he's changed our lives, we, you and I, as believers, we're now the light of the world. Now, that isn't always comfortable, is it? They don't want you to shine any. Just, just being who you are. You, you don't even have to say things sometimes. Just being who you are, being around them, and they, they're like, man, they might you know, kind of shun you. Because something's different about you because it makes them feel uncomfortable. What is it? It's the light of Jesus shining. Paul talks about it in Corinthians, you know, the fragrance of life and the fragrance of death. You and I are called to be lights in this dark world. But we can't do it. I can't do it. It's just, just, to, just to be a believer, a follower of Jesus, and, and to be what he's called me to be, to live the way he's called me to live. Now, I don't do it perfectly. Do any of you do it perfectly? How many of you have been believers longer than 30 years? 40 years? 50 years? 60? Ooh, Okay. Some of you, 50 years. You, you, you that raise your hand for 50 years, have you got it right? Have you done it all right? No, we don't. But I like what Philippians says, you know, that we forget the things that are behind and we reach ahead to the things that are before us. We press toward the mark. We make mistakes, we blow it, but we continue on, we go ahead. How? Why? Because of God working in our lives, the Spirit of God working in our lives. So back to our theme, our thought here is that we're all drowning. We're all sinking, and there really is only one way out. It's the love of God, right, that He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, and you and I would believe in him. 
I want you to turn with me and we'll close with this passage, Matthew chapter 7. <coughs> Excuse me, Matthew chapter 7, back three books. That's easy to find, right? Can anyone tell me what Matthew, chap Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7 are called? Sermon on the Mount. You, you know that because I just mentioned it. Or maybe you knew it already. We, we see, you know, this, again, we've talked about this, the, these dividing lines, these different groups. But we see it here, Jesus talking about it too. Let's look at Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, Enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only if only a few find it. What is the gate? What is the narrow gate? It's Jesus. The narrow path, it's Jesus. But there's a very wide road, wide gate that's leading to destruction. You see, uh, you know, we're already on that road, the wide road, the wide gate. We're already, we've already gone through that. We're already on that path. but it's deceptively leading to destruction, to perishing. But small is the gate, narrow the road that leads to life. You know, for us to think, you know, that uh, the majority of people around us are all going to be walking and following Jesus, that's, uh, that's just not, that's not biblical. We want them to. We would love our nation to be, you know, predominantly, and they do the statistics, you know, how many of you are, are believers in Jesus, even using the term born again, uh, you know, this, this overwhelming majority of people in our country say that they are. But when we look around at our country, do you see that? It's not happening. It's not that way. Don't expect that everybody's going to jump in with you. That's why Jesus said why? Because they hate the light. They love darkness. I'd rather stay where I am. Thank you very much. Not knowing that the path is leading to eternal separation. Maybe they do know and they just don't want to. They don't want to. They don't want to go. Don't want to go. I hope that's not true of anyone here. I hope that's not true of any of us. Let's pray, shall we? Take a few moments to settle our hearts before the Lord for Jesus, God's only begotten Son. And Jesus, you are our only hope. The narrow gate, the path that leads to life. And Lord, we, many, many in this room have chosen that life. We've chosen to trust you for life. And you have rescued us. You have saved us. You've pulled us out of the sinking pit of destruction, separation. 
Lord, we thank you for that. We, we, we say with Paul, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's by grace. It's by a, a free gift that we've been rescued. It's by nothing that we did that we can earn, that we deserve. But all that, all that you did is a free gift, and all we had to do is grab a hold. Nothing else. Call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. Lord, I pray for any here that have never, never called out, never reached out, and, and maybe you are here today and you realize that that's you in that pit. You can't get out. You're stuck. Well, the only hope is Jesus. You can come out. You can get out, but you just have to say, help me. Save me. Dear Jesus, I, I trust you. I trust what you did on the cross for me, paying the cross, paying the price for my sins on the cross to rescue me, to save me. That you conquered death by rising from the dead. So save me, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. I mean, let's all stand and sing together one more song, shall we?